Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we are digging into the Desert Rats stage race, which if you haven't listened to one of our previous episodes, um, I am signed up for, and it's going to definitely be one of the most challenging events I've ever participated in. And in the weirdest way, and I think if you're listening to this and you are someone who does an ultra endurance sport of some sort or goes out on adventures in the weirdest way. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to experience being outside in the heat for, uh, for a week straight, (laughs) uh, in June, you know? So anyways, if you haven't listened to it, just quick synopsis, desert rats is a race in June. It's a stage race. Uh, it goes from Fruta, Colorado, through the desert on the Cocopelli Trail to Moab, Utah. Um, On this episode, I get the chance to talk with Reed Delman, who is the race director for this event. And Reed, you know, is a race director for all sorts of events um, through his company, Gemini Adventures. Uh, I participated in a few of his races, and I got to say, they're absolutely fantastic. If you live in Colorado, I mean, 100% you need to do these races. Uh, the, the mountain rats and desert rats trail running festival. Um, and if you don't live in Colorado, these are amazing destination races. Uh, I just did the trail running festival in Fruta and that's going to be where the desert rats race starts. And I have to tell you, I was, my mind was blown. It was one of the prettiest places I've ever been to in my life. And it was a really amazing, I did the 50 K and you're running, up and around all these really cool cliffs. You kind of felt like you were in the Flintstones, if you can imagine that kind of uh, terrain that you're running over. So definitely check those out. Um, Reed is just a really interesting person. Um, He started Gemini Adventures with the stage race and basically was just curious whether or not people can run on the Cocopelli Trail. Uh, He's done all sorts of crazy things. His athletic career has spanned just a variety of, you know, different events, everything from uh, being a collegiate wrestler to rock climbing um, to mixed martial arts, cage fighting, which we get into a bit in this podcast, mountain biking. Uh, He even participated in the Eco Challenge, which was one of the biggest adventure races uh, kind of in the... I want to say early 2000s, but I'm not 100% sure when that was. I just remember watching it on TV as a kid and thinking like it captured my imagination. But essentially it's a uh, multi-day adventure race where you're doing everything from rock climbing to mountain biking to uh, orienteering, things like that. He's ran uh, Hard Rock 100, did the Leadville 100, both the bike and the run. So he has all sorts of just these amazing adventures that he's gone on and after talking with reed i gotta say my favorite my favorite thing he said was when he was talking about being a race director and the kind of the why why would you why do you want to start these events and it's because he wants people to go on these adventures and to push their comfort zones and he wants people to realize basically what they can achieve that they can achieve so much more than they could possibly dream of um and his role as a race director is to really create these challenging courses that'll really test your limit um but at the same time supporting you 
along the way and making it as safe as possible along the way. So Reed is an awesome dude. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, if you're listening and you're running the Desert Rats uh, this June, I am so looking forward to meeting you. I'm so looking forward to just hanging out at camp at night, um, you know, and kind of doing the group suffering mentality. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, and I hope I hope by doing these podcasts we can, you know, I I'm selfishly just asking Reed questions so I can, you know, go in with the best preparation as possible. But if you're running the race too, I'm hoping you're enjoying these for for that reason to really you know kind of figure out what to expect. So, anyways, let's get right into the episode. Be sure to go back and check out you know our gallery of previous guests i guarantee you you'll find something you guys will like uh, you can find us anywhere you look for podcasts so um all right let's get into it this is going to be the like a bigfoot podcast number 92 uh talking about desert rats with race director reed delman All right, so I want to welcome Reed Delman to the podcast. Reed is the director, uh, race director at Gemini Adventures, and you can check out their website. They do all sorts of crazy uh, adventures, you know, throughout the Colorado kind of Utah area. Um, and it's not just related to ultra running as I look through this, um, which is really cool, man. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So as I was looking through your profile, the thing that stood out to me, uh, you know, on the about section of your website, it goes through everything you've done and you just have had such a wide variety of athletic ventures you've participated in. Um, uh-huh. And I love that. I love that I, because I relate to that. I feel like, you know, you don't want to just necessarily put yourself in just one specific area. But that being said, I got to ask you about the mixed martial arts cage fighting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I'm 50 years old now, and and I don't know that I've even dabbled in a whole lot of things, but after time, after so many years, you know, kind of adds up. I've spent a lot of years ultra running and a lot of years wrestling and, and a lot of years doing MMA, you know, but I've got 50 years, so it... it there's enough time for all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. When did you get into MMA? Well, I wrestled, uh, in high school, college and after college. So that's really where my background is. And, um, and after I, after I graduated college or, you know, I wrestled for a while internationally and was looking for something else to do. And, uh, you know, guy in here, here in town in Boulder, uh, Amal Easton opened up a uh, jiu-jitsu school, came to me to learn wrestling, and we kind of traded off, and he, he was teaching me jiu-jitsu and, and MMA, and I was teaching him the wrestling aspect of it, and you know, I've been there ever since. Been that's... there for, I think, 18 years, something like that. Whoa, that's so cool. So being an, I'm an Iowa boy, uh, so we... We know a thing or two about wrestling, but that being said, I don't, I never wrestled, even though I always wish I did. What, like, if you do that at such a young age, do you just become the most disciplined guy in the world after that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really who you are. Yeah. After necessarily what I do, it's who I am. 
And, uh, you know, now that I'm a little bit older and I'm able to look at it from an outsider perspective, I really see how, how that work ethic is, is ingrained in the whole sport. Yeah. Yeah. It it has to teach you so many lessons. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, and I think it's a little bit more than that too, though, because, uh, you have the aspect of every day you go in and you have this, this adrenaline, this, this drive and something to work for. And then that's gone. And, you know, I, I was in my, well, by the, you know, I, I still do it all, but you know, at some point I'm in my forties and I don't have that anymore. And I need something to, to help drive me. And, you know, and that's, and I started doing the outdoor things and, and the, uh, you know, the racing and ultra runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you, can you kind of compare the two? Because I mean, it just seems like two completely different, like there's probably not many ultra runners who also do like dabble in MMA. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's not too many. (laughs) Yeah. So like, can you compare the two? I mean, is there similarities? Is there differences? So, so the most, the most prevalent, uh, commonality would be, um, would be pain. <laughs> yeah. The one is, is much more intense, but for, for a shorter period of time. But the ultra running is just this low grade pain for a long time. Which, which one can you deal better with? Uh, you know, that's, that's a tough call. <laughs> that's a tough call. Um, I, I have some pretty, pretty rough asthma. So the, so, um, the ultra running is getting tougher for me as time goes on. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy some good suffering. Yeah, man. They're just so like, it just has to be so intense to step into a cage with, you know, an arena of people and then, uh, having someone else step in and then you're like, Oh my God, this guy's in here just to beat the living crap out of me. Like, I don't know. I just, how do you handle that pressure? And my first fight was, was pretty intense. Yeah. You know, and you build it up in your mind way bigger than it is too. And, and, and I hear that across the board. Um, you know, that, that even, even the toughest, most seasoned fighters are still a mess in the back room. And I've been in the corner for a lot of people and I, you know, I've helped a lot of people out and everybody's a mess back there. But that first one is, is really intense. And, uh, and I, I still remember getting, finally getting in the cage after months of preparation, well, years of preparation, but the months and everything leading up to it and looking across the cage and saying, you know what, he's a, he's a real human being. This is somebody I could beat. This is somebody this is something that I've done a number of times over the years, you know, with so much wrestling experience, it was out of the box for me, but it wasn't that outside of the box. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I see that. I see that. And I'm sure like, as soon as the bell rings, you are just all that pressure, that pre fight pressure, that pre event pressure just goes out the window and you're just kind of like living with the moment. Your mind is gone. Yeah. It's all, it just flows and and i you know i have it on film but uh i didn't remember anything that happened <laughs> yeah yeah dude looking back on it you're like oh my god i forgot he, he like nailed me super hard at that point 
you know, I remember at one point uh, I was on top and he was throwing some elbows. And, and at that point I knew I was going to win. And I remember thinking, it's okay if he keeps throwing these elbows and hitting me in the face. <laughs> you know, and then at some point I kind of changed and said, no, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> you know, I can't just keep sitting here and taking it. Um, but yeah, you, you just get in this, in this crazy mindset and, and, uh, uh, yeah, your mind is just gone at that point. Yeah. What's, uh, what's recovery look like after, after a cage fight? Cause I mean, I mean, they're only what, like 15 minutes long or maybe a bit longer, like during the event, but it's just like the most intense 15 minutes you possibly could have. You know what? There's a lot that goes into it beforehand too, though. Yeah. You know, there's the whole weight cutting and the whole stress and, and all of that. And I've, I had a couple of occasions where uh, the fights fell through, right? So my opponent didn't show up or whatever the case was. And, um, and I still had a long recovery after that. So, you know, and, and you're talking, you need to take at least a week off and then come back and do things pretty slowly for a couple of weeks after that. But I have never had a fight where I didn't get sick afterward. Really? Something about the immune system or, you know, just that intensity and, and raising it up that high. Uh, every single fight I've gotten sick after. Wow. Do you think it's the adrenaline, like the come down? It's, it's all of it because I even got sick in the ones that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so it's everything leading up to it. But, yeah, you need some recovery time. And I, I don't do well with, with recovery time. But, uh, you know, your body is telling you, you, you need this time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just remember my buddy Travis had a couple MMA fights and I just remember one where by the end he couldn't put his hands up. So the guy was just throwing some haymakers, smacking him in the face. And I saw him after the match and he just like, couldn't even lift his head up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Dang. And man. I training where, you know, you, you have multiple people work in on you to get you ready for the fight. And I remember laying there and somebody punching me and thinking, you know, and everybody's yelling at you to get up and do something, you know. And I remember thinking, I would rather lay here and get punched than to put forth the effort to yeah. get up. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the experience he was describing to me because I was after the match. I'm like, dude, why didn't you put your hands up, you know? I, can't it's just not there anymore that's hilarious well okay so moving from that into you know did you move from being a wrestler into adventure racing into rock climbing into the outdoor stuff or like how did that uh progression happen it, it was pretty gradual you know um I, I lived in columbus ohio i wrestled for ohio state and uh and when i was there you know i used to do some rock climbing and it was the early days of, of climbing walls, you know, and we used to go to, uh, um, you know, some of the climbing areas, West Virginia and Kentucky and things like that. So I, so I've always been into the outdoors. Um, but then I think the big thing was when I did the eco challenge back in 96. Okay. Read an article about that and thought, man, that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got to jump in and, and try, try my hand at that. That was the coolest thing ever. I was a kid watching. They would put it on TV, too. Um, right. I think it was the dude. Isn't it the guy from Survivor? Uh, I can't remember his name. 
Mark Burnett. Yeah, so they would put it on TV, and I just remember sitting in my house, like never even thinking all of these things these people were doing was possible, and then watching as a guy pulled a leech out from behind his eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they did a good job at building it up also. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have some great editing. I watch Survivor, every, you know, every week now. And, uh, yeah, they do a great job of, of editing, but they also put people out there. It's, it's pretty intense. And, you know, it's funny because you say that you, you look at that and think that you can't imagine doing that. My tendency actually in life is I look at these things and I say, man, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't know that there's many things that I feel are beyond what I'm capable of. Uh, I, I have some pretty good focus and I have some uh, uh, maybe I have confidence in myself. But, uh, you know, if, if I see something like that on TV, you know, I say I'm going to do that. Yeah. Is that what happened? You saw it on TV and you're like, sign me up. Or how do I get it? How like how do you even get into that thing? I know it's not necessarily around anymore, but how did you get into it back then? So I read an article okay. in magazine and thought it looked really cool and started looking, you know, started looking around, see what else I could find on it. And this was early days of the Internet. So it was tough to find tough to find information. And um Finally got a phone number for them, and they said, "Yeah, this is this is how you sign up." You know, uh, it, it wasn't quite that simple, but it was. <laughs> but I, and and actually, I was doing some some alpine climbing at that time. You know, some some local mountains here in Colorado, and um, so I, you know, I was pretty experienced in the outdoors. Yeah. By that. Yeah, because they obviously aren't just letting like any random person off the street sign up for this thing. Well, no, they were. What? No way, really? <laughs> you know, anybody with money, you know, if you had the money to, to jump in. And that's, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can't believe you signed up for this 100 miler. Well, signing up is the easy part. Yeah. You know, it's the training and everything that goes into it that uh, that's the hard part. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I'm definitely finding that out with desert rats, but we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> You know, I feel like, you know, if you have the money and you, you want to register for a race, that's the easy part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how did the Eco Challenge go? I mean, was there anything that was completely unexpected or outside of your comfort zone? Uh, so that, again, that was my first real endurance event. Um, and I wasn't used to the idea uh <laughs> I wasn't used to the idea of going 24 hours. Yeah. You know, going until it was done. I was very much in the climbing mindset. You go, you set up camp and, uh, you know, uh, kind of a system. And, and, you know, I didn't get the whole travel light endurance kind of thing. Um, so there were a lot of things that were kind of in your face, you know, for me. Um, but it was, it was a great experience. It, it was amazing. They really put you in this, into the backcountry, and I I was inspired not just uh, participating, but in setting up events like that too. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of plant the seed for uh, your future as a race director. 
Yes, definitely. Nice, man. Okay, so look, I guess we can kind of get into that. Gemini Adventures, uh, I did your guys' Mountain Rats race this, uh, when was it, October or September, and loved it. I thought it was so well organized, and you guys just did a great job. So h- how did you guys, like, how did you get started uh, being a race director? Uh, so it's been a while now, but I, I could yeah, the idea started with the Desert Rat stage race. Okay teaching high school and uh my wife was pregnant and she was making more money than i would ever make as a teacher so i was the one that was going to stay at home and i decided to start putting on these races but one of the big things that that inspired me was the marathon de saab Uh uh-huh it's a race in morocco similar format and and i always thought wow that would be the coolest thing to do but i couldn't afford it you know, I couldn't afford to fly out there. The race entry was, was outrageous. And I said, I'm going to put one on here in the United States. <laughs> if, if there's nothing that exists like that, I'm going to make it happen. That's awesome. So I, so I started out with that in mind. And, and I, think, I think the race director curse is that, that we like to create. And, and all these ideas come, come across my desk. Like, oh, yes, let's do that. Yes, that's a great idea. That's a great course. Let's do that. And I really have to fight to not keep adding things in. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a few basics that, that, we, that we really like now. Um, but, you know, really my baby is the, is the stage race. Yeah, man. Well, I'm, I love it because, and I told you this before the podcast, um, my cousin – Susan was the first person to kind of inspire me to get into any sort of endurance event. And she would go over and do, I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's not marathon de Sabla though. Cause it's, it's not as long as that one, but it was in the Sahara desert. And I just remember sitting at my grandma's as she's going through like the slideshow of all of her pictures there and just being like, wow, I didn't even know this kind of adventure exists. And ever since then. And that was probably when I was like 10 or maybe even less than that, like eight or nine. Um, and ever since then, I've always wanted to step up to a stage race, but it's so it, you're, it's exactly what you just said. It's really hard to travel internationally to do, you know, an event like that. It's expensive. It takes you away from your family. You're on the other side of the world, you know? Yeah. yeah so thank you, man. Desert rats sound like desert rats is perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Can you like, I, I just recorded a podcast and just released it of a little bit of like the basic info of the race. Um, you know, and I kind of wanted to get into some more, uh, more kind of advice things, uh, during this, but like when it, when it comes to the desert rats, it's in June and it goes from, uh, fruit of Colorado all the way to Moab on the Cocopelli trail. And I mean, you, how how many years have you been putting this on? Like, how hot does it get? <laughs> yeah, all, all the details, huh? Yeah. Uh, th- I think this is our 14th year. We've been doing wow. it for a while. Okay, what was the first year like? Oh, the first year was crazy. I So what I did is I had, <clears throat> I hired some river guides uh, to come out and and support it. And there were only like, three of us supporting a dozen people out there. And, you know, I put a lot of, a lot of work into the prep for it. Uh, but 
I didn't know that it was possible, which is the crazy part. And there, there's, we, it was also done in the fall, so it wasn't quite as bad. Yeah. It wasn't quite as hard. But uh, I still remember we have the one long day, the expedition stage. And there's a point where we, we were sitting at an aid station, and you could see across at a peak on the other side. And it, it was dark. Uh, but you could see when he- headlights would come over this other peak. And, and I remember sitting there just waiting for that first one to come over. And they were all out in this desert for hours and hours. And I remember seeing that first headlamp peek over the peak over the peak and thinking, Oh my God, I didn't just send them all out there to die. <laughs> Such what? a relief. Oh every, dude, I got to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> that I would see, I would check off the list and say, Oh, thank God that worked out. Yeah, man. Was the expedition like the same length? I mean, I'm sure you've tweaked the course a bit uh, yeah, over the years. A bit longer. It was a little bit longer, but it's still um, it's still big, still really big. You know, uh, I heard I heard some of your podcasts before uh, talking about it, and uh, as, as intense as you think it may be, it will be even more intense. Nice. Uh, dude, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I was, uh, you know, what's funny though, is as we were talking about your MMA thing where, you know, you're building it up in your mind in the days and weeks leading up to it. Uh, I'm definitely doing that right now. I'm building up in my mind, you know, I, but I think at the end of the day, what I'm going to need to do is just kind of like let go of all expectations and like, just rely on like, Hey, I'm trained for this. Um, capable of withstanding some adversity right and you know just go for it but you know that's that's way easier said than done you know (laughs) yeah i look at it coming from the mma there's nobody waiting in the bushes to kick me in the head (laughs) that's true that's true except the desert itself you know (laughs) oh yeah And, and that you know i i really like the saying you can eat an elephant one bite at a time yeah and that's the thing with these endurance events is there's no one piece that's going to make you drop out. There's no one piece that you can't get past. You could always take that one more step or that one little piece that, that you could keep adding on. And that, I mean, that's the beauty, but that's also the hard part. Yeah. Right? Because it, it could seem endless. And, and you're going to be out there in the desert by yourself. You know, we have we have people, we have crew that goes along the course, um, but you're you're gonna feel pretty. It's gonna feel pretty desolate for you. That's something I'm I'm looking forward to. I did a race last year in Monument Valley, and it was a 50 miler, and it was great. I loved it. It was one of my favorite races I've participated in. Um, but most of the race I was surrounded by other people. And I just remember there was one moment for about an hour where I got to experience the desert by myself where I couldn't see anyone else around. And it was, it was awesome. Like it was what I wanted It's why I signed up for that race. And it's one, it's one of the main things I'm really like, there's so many things I'm excited for with desert rats, but that's definitely in the top five, that kind of isolation and, you know, really discovering 
what you're capable of when you're completely by yourself and you have no one else to rely on. Right, right. And a lot of times people kind of, you, you find people that are going generally your pace and especially by the end of the week, you've got people that you're, that you're hanging out with uh, out on the trail. But there, there will be moments where, yeah, it's, it's going to hit you hard. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> what, uh, okay, so you got, like, year one goes by. Um, what kind of, like, I don't know, what, what was the experience like for the participants in year one? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. It's um, the, there were fewer aid stations. We have very few aid stations now. There were even fewer back then. Um, it it was they were exploring. They were out there, and you know it's it's a well traveled trail um, as far as you know it's kept up uh, and well marked. But uh, you could go out. You could be out there for days without seeing anybody. Yeah. In some of the more remote areas. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an adventure. That's, you know, what did it feel like for those first, for, for those first people? Same as it does now. Yeah. It's. Yeah. What <laughs> did you tell them it was your first year or it was their, you know, the first year of the race or you're like, no, man, we've done this a bunch of other times. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I had been on the trail a number of times myself. Okay. Yeah. I could speak with experience and, and every year, uh, I, you know, I have more experience and, and there's not much at this point that I haven't seen, you know, I, I'm sure there, there could always be, could always be more. Uh, and we keep adding things on, we, you know, keep adding aid stations in, uh, more medical crew. Uh, first year we didn't even have ice out at the aid stations. Yeah. That, now we have we go through twenty five hundred pounds of ice in the week. That's that's good to hear because I think on the last podcast my friend asked me he's like you know are you gonna like ice yourself <laughs> to recover and stuff and I was like man I don't even know how you get ice in the desert. <laughs> uh, that's a big part of our job. Yeah. Okay. We we, uh, <laughs> we always have an ice Nazi out there. <laughs> Exactly how much you could take, making sure, making sure that the coolers are closed, you know, and people, people will pour water on themselves, but you can't use the ice water. That's, that's a big rule out in the desert. That's you awesome. Can, can't use the ice water. That's awesome. What, okay. So the people you've seen, this is what I really want to know. The people who have been successful at this race, at finishing the race, I guess my goal is to finish the race. That's, I mean, if I had to like write goal number one, main goal, complete the event, you know, uh, what, what, what type of people are finishing the race? Um, what, what, you know, how, like, I guess, how are the, what do they have that allows them to overcome adversity where other people cannot? You're, you're wondering if you have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Selfishly, this whole podcast is just me selfishly asking for advice. You're trying to get out of me whether you're going to do well at this race or not. No, man, because like, <laughs> no, I just, I'm just curious. Like, I, I just remember at one point you mentioned that 
you know, it, the people who have the watches and they're really looking at their pace, like they tend to struggle a little bit. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the people who are more mindful runners tend to do better. Uh, the ones who look at their pace are going to suffer. They're, they're, they're going to hit a point where their pace is not what they want. Uh, I've, we've had people that have never done a marathon before that come out and do well. We've had people who, who have done, uh, what do they call, you know, multiple triathlons in a row, you know, like multiple Ironman triathlons who, who get out there and, and, and can't handle it. Um, people who tend to be more self-sufficient do better. Uh, people who are, uh, concentrating on their surroundings, people who are enjoying their surroundings. That's a huge part of it. If you enjoy that suffering and, and I have to tell you the biggest part I heard in your last podcast that you're concerned about the miles on your legs. That's part of it. But I'll say this, that's almost the least of your worries. Okay. No, you have to have the miles on your legs, but that's such a small part of it. When you get out there on that first day and it's 105 degrees and you're out there by yourself, you know, everybody else is going a different pace and, and you have another 10 miles to go to your next aid station. Uh, it's going to hit you hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, that first day is is a slap in the face. <laughs> the heat is intense. Yeah. And even I, you know, I go out there on the course, and and the more the the more steps you take away from from the safety of your vehicle, uh, even for me doing this years later, every step I take to get further away from my vehicle, uh, the more worried I get. Yeah. You know, it's, it's intense. Yeah, man. It's, I, I think I mentioned on the last one, there's that picture I saw of just like the desert complete, like it must be like high noon, you know, it's just completely sunny. And there's one, there's a big boulder and there's like the tiniest amount of shade. And there's like one runner just sitting in that shade. <laughs> that was, yeah, she ended up doing really well. She suffered that first day. And uh, she ended up doing really well. Uh, and then once we posted that picture, we had a number of past racers come back and say that they hid under that same rock for shade. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you should put a sign on that, like shade rock or something. Uh, <laughs> do you? I, do people tend to, if they get past the first couple of days, I don't want to say get used to the heat because... I have to imagine it's almost nearly impossible to get used to temperatures that hot, but, um, do they just kind of like become numb to it almost? Uh, you become acclimated, acclimated. Yeah. Okay. Acclimated. And, uh, we had, uh, we had a statistic for, for a number of years that anybody that made it past the third day, anybody who started the fourth day, uh, finished. Okay. And that was, that's the, uh, the big day. That's the expedition day. No, no. The expedition is the fifth and sixth day, sixth day. Okay. So 
starts the nine mile day would finish. We've, we've had some people since then not be able to make it, but, uh, but that was, that was the, that's a good goal. If you could start the nine mile day, uh, you're in a good place to finish. Awesome. Uh, that's even with the expedition day ahead of you. Awesome. That's super cool. Uh, I'm, I mean, as much as this sounds like it's funny because there's, it sounds really incredibly hard, but it's also getting me very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It should. And so here, here's what I say. My job is my job is to, to create the toughest event I could imagine, right? Put heat and miles and, you know, uh, distance between aid stations, do all these things to make it really the toughest event I could, I could possibly put together and then do everything I can to get you across the finish line. Yeah. That's, we have, we yeah. have incredible staff, you know, we have great food out there, you know, all these things. We have ice at the aid stations in the middle of the desert, all these things to help you to get across that finish line. Despite the fact that I've created this, this torturous event. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, I feel like that's what good race directors should do. I mean, you have the, you, the, I, I have to imagine you wanted to become a race director because you want to kind of spread the idea of adventure and, you know, people pushing, like challenging people to push their limits and, you know, and creating something like incredibly hard, but then also helping people ultimately succeed. That's, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. I love seeing people finish the race, right? You know, uh, some of the, some of the races out there, they talk about their, their uh, dropout rate as a point of pride, you know, oh, you know, the, the Barkley had nobody finished this year. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I want to see people finish. Yeah. You know, boy, there's, there's, there's nothing more exciting and, and hopefully you'll get to experience this, but finishing the expedition expedition stage in the middle of the night. Oh, that's so exciting to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, I remember talking to Candace, uh, Candace Burt on the podcast and she was talking kind of, she was talking about dropout rates, but the fact that she has such low percentage dropout rates and, you know, kind of the opposite of that perspective where it's like, no, this thing is inc like, just like you said, is incredibly hard, but you know, people do finish and we have a pretty high success rate, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. She did our race last year and in talking with her, you know, we have very similar views on, on race directing. It was really fun. Yeah. She's, she's pretty awesome. Um, I guess what are, what are common reasons people drop during the race? Uh, so feet, you know, blisters on your feet. Um, that that's a big issue. Uh, and I, I think there's a close correlation between blisters and, and hydration. Okay. So um, really the, the, probably the biggest factor is, is the heat. Yeah and dehydration and and everything that goes along with the heat yeah can you elaborate on the uh blisters and dehydration kind of correlating uh so and and i heard the i heard this a number of years ago and who knows if it's scientifically backed or not um but that that blisters are caused from 
the your lack of lubrication you know your lack of sweating or, or different things um, and and I'm I'm pretty convinced that that's true you know people talk about well your socks and and moisture and and all these different things or if you have a hot spot but even a hot spot you should be able to take care of that with your own uh, you know the way your body works you know and again there's no scientific backing for that but uh, uh, I'm pretty convinced that there's there's a strong correlation at least yeah well and you know just being in discomfort in general you know if you are dehydrated and then you get a blister that's gonna doubly suck rather than if you're you know if you're if you just have a blister but everything else is working great i mean you might be able to have just a better mindset going into it so so as a race director are the the worst people to have out on the course are people with blisters (laughs) yeah (laughs) because they're 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 still tough they're still feeling good they're still going to continue on but they're going to be the slowest people out there on the course (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes sense so how do you avoid them i've honestly i knock on wood i've never had a lot of issues with blisters um i've gotten them sort of but never you know you go online and you look up some ultra endurance events and you can see some really nasty disgusting pictures of people's feet but i've never had that problem so which once again, knock on wood, but how do you, how do people go about avoiding them? How do you take care of your feet? What's, what are some strategies there? So in, in our race, we have medical crew out there that takes care of your feet. They do a great job. They show you, you know, they tape them up for you. They, you know, um, they keep it clean and they, uh, you know, I, I don't even know everything that they do, you know, um, but they do a seminar on the second night on, on how to take care of your feet. And, uh, and every night they're, they're putting people back together and, and helping them start the next day. That's awesome. Yeah. But again, I, I, for me, I think personally, um, one of the biggest factors is keeping yourself hydrated so that your body could take care of those blisters. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of, do you have a rule of thumb with hydration? Because, you know, I'm looking at your, the the events you've done i mean leadville 100 both the bike and the run the hard rock 100 which is one of the craziest races in the united states um how do you handle hydration uh i try to go 20 to 30 ounces every hour okay and for food i try to go 200 uh, calories every hour i'm typing this down (laughs) for my own how many calories 250 uh i i said about two between two and 300 okay gotcha um you know and and after a while you learn what works for you what doesn't certain gels last me about 15 minutes each uh, other gels last me more like 20 25 minutes okay it uh i did a hundred mile race where i went through 44 gels so <laughs> you should win an award just for that. I had a system that I was going to stick to. Uh, <laughs> for the end, I couldn't couldn't handle it much anymore, so uh, so I didn't quite stick to to the only gels. But uh, that's you know, you hilarious. Find- I've tried that. I've tried that in uh, my first fifty miler, which was Mount Masochist. It was really like fifty four or fifty six, 
And I just remember at mile 31 being like, I'm throwing this plan out the window. I cannot stomach another gel. So what I find is really important, and I think this is the same with hydration and really big on our stage race, is consistency. Okay. If I miss that window for my 20 ounces of water or 30 ounces of water, or if I miss that window for, uh, for my 200 calories and I'm into the next hour, I can't stomach, I can't stomach it. Yeah. Really tough to get back on track. As long as I'm consistent with a gel every 15 minutes, I'm good to go. But yeah. once that, once I stop losing sight of that plan, then it gets really tough. Oh man. Now I'm like reevaluating what I want to do, uh, at your guys trail running festival this weekend. I'm like, maybe I should just try that and see how it works. Well, that's a great thing about a race like this, you know, like our festival is that you, you try, you try things out. Yeah. You've done before, you know, you, you have an idea of what works for you. Try something a little bit new, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking, I honestly might, might try that. Do you do anything with like, um, you know, uh, sodium like how do you manage your sodium levels? Yeah, I've done it a number of ways over the years. Okay. What I used to do is I used to bring uh, McDonald's salt packets with me. Okay. In the pouch of my handheld bottle, and every time I would go to an aid station, I would break one open, put it in, put it in my water bottle, and just add a little bit of salt onto whatever drink they had. Okay. What if they have a drink that's like supposedly like full of sodium and full of electrolytes and all that stuff? I have found uh, that the that at races it tends to be a little bit weak. Okay. Make it right there on the spot, and there's you know it, it's pretty inconsistent. Um. So even just adding that little bit of salt was really helpful to me. Okay. All right. Cool. That that's something you know. I've had races in the past where I felt like I really nailed it, but then I don't reflect on it or I forget what I did or something like that. And then the next race, you know, hide the hydration thing becomes an issue. And so that's something I definitely, you know, want to nail down before starting the desert routes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind too, I'm not, I, I know you have a lot of great runners that, that come onto your podcast. I'm not a front, I'm not a front runner. You know, I'm middle to back of the pack. Um, but again, <laughs> what I see at our stage race is those are the people who uh, not only tend to uh, enjoy it more, yeah, but they be more successful too, because they're not looking at their pace. They're thinking about hydration, and they're thinking. You know, for me, I said I set my alarm on my watch, and it goes off every hour, and when that goes off. I better have had my my 20 ounces of water and 200 calories. Gotcha. If not, you know, I'll, I'll look at my, I'll keep looking at my watch, and I'm getting close to that hour. I need to start taking something in. Whereas the front runners, they're thinking about their running pace. You know. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah, definitely. It's funny, just you know, knowing your background now is a, is wrestling, and then hearing you say that, I'm like, man. Just 
Discipline gets you through so much. If you can stay disciplined and stay dedicated to what you know works, I mean, you can accomplish an insane amount. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So much of it is management. Yeah. Really long is is, is management. Yeah. What like I what any advice for training or, you know, what kind of. I don't know. I, I'm not going to be a guy like hung up on miles or or pace, like you said. But what what are some tips for just training for a stage race like this? So you really need to get back to back runs, long runs. You know, um, I you know, I think anything over 20 miles, if you could get two 20 milers back to back. And I know, you know, with with the family, I know you've got some little ones. Um it's, it's not easy to get those back-to-back runs. Um, but I think that's the, that's the biggest part of, you know, the leg, the leg training. Yeah. Um, and then as it gets closer, you have to train heat. There's a world of difference between people who have really specifically trained for the heat and others who are just coming in uh, hoping to, you know, hoping to manage when they're out there. Uh, your body gets acclimated. And, and again, the, the difference we see at the beginning of the week versus the end of the week is huge. You know, so so if you could come in acclimated, uh, you know, and then take and then take advantage of every opportunity when you're out there on day one, you you uh, go past a creek. And if you're not going full in into the creek. Uh, you know, dousing yourself all the way under, uh, then then you're passing up an opportunity. Every, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I don't want to take the time to do this or I don't want to get my clothes wet. Your clothes will be dry in a matter of minutes, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> yeah. That happens when you when you jump in there is just amazing. So, so uh, sorry, I got off track a little no, bit. No, that's, I love that advice because it goes with the, you know, kind of middle of the pack mentality that you say is pretty successful is take your time, be, it's patience. It sounds like it's patience, uh, you know, and I'm excited. Like, honestly, you mentioned my little ones, you know, this is a week where, I mean, you know, as a parent, you have like 10,000 things on your mind at once. Uh, and then as a teacher, which you also know, like just another 10,000 things, but then you get to a week like this where literally all I have to think of is hydration feet moving forward. Basically. That is the beauty of it for everyone. Not yeah. just or teachers or, or, you know, everyone comes out there and it doesn't matter what your daily life is like, you know, uh, you are, you're going to run to, you know, where the next aid station is and you know, you know, that dinner's going to be waiting for you and you know that the next morning you're going to do the same thing again. Yeah. Uh, cell phones barely even work out there. Yeah. doesn't matter about all those other things. You have your goals. You, uh, I think a lot of people also get overwhelmed by that. They get overwhelmed by the isolation out on the trail and they get overwhelmed by um, they start missing their family so that on the second day, you know, they, they've had a rough time. They're a little bit 
you know, lonely, missing their family. And, um, and we've had some people quit and leave because they want to go back to their family. They think about all the things that, uh, you know, that are waiting for them. And you just have to be able to let that go. They're not expecting you back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're meeting me in Moab. We're starting our family vacation the next week. So perfect. Yeah. Um, and along with that though, I always find like it makes you appreciate your relationships just so much more when you're done doing something long or you're, you have a little bit of separation, just, you know, this is like a safe separation, you know, like you're apart for six days and you know, after those six days, you're going to go back to, um, you know, so it, it makes you appreciate family, but then, you know, also the, just the common comforts you just, uh, you, and that's with any adventure, you know, it's interesting though, because, uh, we have a, we have a chef out there. Yeah. Bluebird does, does all our all our cooking. Uh, he does. He now does that for Candace's races too. Um, does a great job. He's a full on chef, and you eat so well out there. And then we get into town, into Moab, and you always want. Oh, I want air conditioning, and I want a shower, and I want food. And you realize, well, I don't need food. Yeah. I've been eating here than I did in town. <laughs> I heard talking about, you know, can you clean up, you know, do we have showers out there, um, uh, out on the course? We don't have showers, but except for the first night, every day we have a, a river that you can wash up in. And, and there's nothing like going for a dip in the, in the Colorado river. That's awesome. You're out in the desert in 105 degrees and, and you jump into the Colorado river so refreshing that's honestly that's in the top five things i'm looking forward to too you know and then also just hanging out at camp i remember when my cousin susan was talking about her stage races she would always talk about you know all the incredible people she met and became friends with uh you know at camp every night right yeah yeah oh yeah every you know the the conversations on on facebook and in the social media among the the past racers is amazing and you see the big events in people's lives you know happy and sad uh it's it's the the desert rats people that respond and and it's such a close you know such a tight bond suffering out there with people uh day after day and and we have a 40 percent return rate wow wow that's awesome that's a crazy statistic yeah. That's really cool. Well, I got to ask you, so, you know, kind of to wrap up the show a little bit, because um, like I said, I, um, you're planning this crazy trail running festival this weekend uh, in Fruta, kind of like where we'll start for the Desert Rats. Um, so I know you're super busy, but what's the, uh, is there is there one moment or a few moments that really stick out as kind of the craziest thing that's happened uh, during the desert rats race. All right. I got it. All right. I'll tell you this. Okay. Uh, number one rule and anybody that has run the race and, and you'll know this afterwards. Okay. Okay. Rule is you can't leave the trail, right? If, if you, if, <laughs> if you take a wrong turn onto a trail, 
uh, you know, and, and you don't show up at an aid station, we have some ideas of where to look for you. Okay. If you've taken a wrong turn out there, if you go off the trail, if you go off trail and start wandering around uh, the desert, there's thousands of miles out there. And, and, and that's when it gets really dangerous. Okay. So I always say, you know, don't leave the trail. Don't leave the trail. And, uh, and one year I got a call from one of our, one of our staff saying, uh, there's a, there's a guy running along the highway. And, and I assumed, you know, at one point we're, we're on the frontage road and I assumed he meant, you know, there's a guy running along the highway, you know, he's on the highway and he, he sees this person on the frontage road. And I, I said, okay, well, that's part of the trail. He said, no, no, no. He's on the highway, <laughs> you know, on the interstate 70. Oh my God. <laughs> well, what do you mean? It's like, there's one of our racers <laughs> on the interstate. So I saw him later and, and I said, you know, what happened? And he said, well, I got to a point, I thought I took a wrong turn and I thought I could just kind of cut across the desert a little bit and find my way back onto the trail. And I found myself on the highway. Oh my God. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's a case where you need to stay on the trail. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to, it's, it's a pretty well-marked trail. I mean, it's a famous trail out here, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, there, you know, there are some places where you have to be patient and wait for the next, you know, the next marker to come up. Um, you know, it, it usually happens that people start worrying that they're going in the wrong direction. And now with GPS, you know, uh, we have, you know, we have GPS uh, things for people's phone, you know, and you just go out there and if you step off the trail, it'll let you know. So, um, so it's not likely to get lost anymore, but uh, uh, that was one of the crazier things. Uh, you know, we, last year we had somebody pass out on the trail. Jeez. Um, was unconscious until some runners came up from behind and uh, and cooled him off a little bit. And um, it, it every year brings something new, and every year is intense, and every year uh, we see amazing things. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Reed, thank you so much. I know you've I know you have an incredibly busy week, so it really means a lot that you would take some time to to chat with me and give me some advice. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you talking to me and, and I hope you're ready for this weekend. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so excited for this weekend. I'm it's, it's only Tuesday right now, but I'm like, man, I should just take the rest of the week off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. We'll see Bye you this again. weekend. All right. Bye. There you have it. Episode number 92 with Reed Delman. Huge shout out for Reed. Uh, I know we recorded this before I did the trail running festival and I got to say, it was so well organized, so much fun, such a beautiful course. Uh, and, you know, just for a little extra torture at the end, he threw in this three-mile downhill where you could, you rounded the corner and you could see the finish line, like you're on top of a mountain, I guess if you can imagine, and down the hill you can see the finish line, you can hear the music, hear everyone cheering, Um and yet you still had three miles of switchbacks to go all downhill, just quad burners. Uh, yeah, it was definitely just like a great like last little obstacle 
at the end of the event. So I really appreciated that. <laughs> uh, and I'm really looking forward to Desert Rats, um, you know, and you, looking forward to participating in some more of those of, of his events in the future. Um, all right, one thing I want to leave you with this week especially you know we're all training towards some goals uh my buddy brady shout out to brady texted me this morning and and he he sent me this amazing picture um he has a whiteboard in his apartment and he writes all sorts of funny quotes and inspiration and does his to-do list things like that so anyways he sent me a picture of his next athletic goal and it just said Des Moines half marathon. That's like the goal he's going for. And I'm super stoked that he has a goal and that he has something to work for. But underneath that, there are two boxes, two check boxes. The first box said register. And the box below that said train. And the register one was checked off because he was basically telling me like, hey, man, I registered for this event. And I just loved that picture because it's so funny. It's like, you know, those are those are two steps in getting ready for any sort of event is signing up and then training and the boxes being the same size. It's like, all right, this will take the same amount of effort. But obviously training just takes a ridiculous amount of effort to compared to registering. So sometimes registering is that first step that's kind of difficult. You know, but once you register, you kind of get that like, ah, oh, now I'm going to do this thing. And then at some point, maybe it's a week later, maybe it's only days later, maybe it's months later, you realize like, oh my God, I have to train for this thing now. This is, this has just gotten real. Um, and so here's my, here's my thing I want to leave you with. Uh, Des Linden, who is the woman, the American woman who just won the Boston Marathon. It's an amazing story. You guys should for sure read up on it if you haven't already. Uh, she sent out a message on Twitter, and I think it's the best message for any of us right now training for anything, whatever it may be. Uh, she says, some days it just flows, and I feel like I'm born to do this. Other days, it feels like I'm trudging through hell. Every day, I make the choice to show up and see what I've got and to try and be better. My advice, keep showing up. And so that's something to just keep in mind this week. You might have days where you just have the best workouts of all time and you're ready to take on the world. You might have days where you just struggle. The struggle is real as everyone says, uh, just keep showing up, keep doing it, keep being consistent, keep pushing forward. All right, guys, we'll get back at you next week. See ya.